This is Motley Fool Money. Welcome to Motley Fool Money, the podcast that requires its podcast host to work from the office at least 50% of the time. I'm the half that's working from the office. I'm Scott Phillips from the Motley Fool. He is the half that's lazing around at home, running some sort of online thing you do the business thing called strawman.com, as far as I can tell. Andrew Page, good day. G'day, mate. How are you? Actually, uh, broadcasting from the boardroom. Uh, today. The boardroom. Yes. Oh, look at that. I said I'm, I'm at the office. I'm not at the office either. I'm at home too. So <laughs> we are. We are absolutely flouting the ANZ mandate. Luckily, we don't work for a big four bank. I would have. I would have thought. By, by boardroom, I mean my spare bedroom, by the way. But <laughs> hey, it's, I've, I've, I've made it a boardroom. Um, is that because an ironing board somewhere nearby? Is that kind of the yes, that we go yeah, with? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm on the board table, by which I mean I'm ironing my shirt. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, it's it's important, mate. The spare bedroom. Many, many. Are, you should be in the garage, shouldn't you? Aren't you? Aren't you breaking the the, the startup trope? Are you supposed to be in a garage somewhere? Do you know what? The, the current house we've got at the moment has an awesome garage. It's massive. Oh, nice. But um, it is still full of boxes from when we moved a year ago. Because <laughs> I just I oh, can't. I I just can't. Yeah. I like. Yeah. I feel as though, no, nah, I'm just going to be packing again in another year. <laughs> Do I need to? And it's not even like well-ordered boxes. It's just sort of like it's where I dumped it on the day of the move, yeah, right. you know? Okay. It's, it's pathetic. Not good, not good. So, yeah, no. uh, mate, uh, how's your week been? Uh, it's been good. It's, okay. um, yeah, I mean, oh, there's there's not much on the investing front. I mean, following a bit of the AI, open AI Sam Altman oh, saga. That but is, yeah. I can't. So let me ask you this. Actually, well, I've got two questions for you. Firstly, before uh, I forget, what are you laughing for? Nothing. Go on. What's strawman.com? There you go. It's a private <laughs> online investment club. <laughs> uh, there it is. The other thing, I, 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 I am I'm getting more cynical in my old age, mate. Or maybe maybe just getting more Clint Eastwood, get off my lawn, shotgun mm. in my old age. I'm not sure which, but somewhere, somewhere along that, that continuum. I find those sort of the, so the the Sam Altman thing, CEO of OpenAI, the business that runs ChatGPT, of course, got ousted by the board. Then they tried to get him back, and then it didn't happen. Then he was going to join Microsoft. Now apparently he's going back to the board. And frankly, by the time this goes to air, God knows what will happen in the meantime. Yeah, I I've I switched off some of that stuff, mate. I just you know what's yeah. funny if if this was if this was Woman's Day and we're reading Britney Britney Spears articles. You say, oh, you're reading all the tabloid stuff. Oh, yeah, whatever, whatever. How about you read some serious stuff? And then you go to the AFR or the Australian's business section and the big stories are the Sam Altman ones or the Sam Bankman Freed, the, the, you know, the, the kind of, the, so, the, the respectable soap operas. It's kind of like, you know, the, uh, the analogy is investing, right? If, if you're gambling on the dogs, uh, you're an inveterate, you know, punter. Yeah. Uh, if, you're, if you're gambling on day trading, you're a sophisticated investor trying <laughs> to make some money. It kind of feels like that with this, these little stories. Oh, it like is. I, I get oh. that it's interesting. I just... I feel like it's, it, you know, we kind of feel like we're doing something more highbrow and whatever. We're really just reading the, the, the gossip columns in, in the fin rather than, rather than Women's Day or Women's Weekly. It's exactly, it is exactly what it is. And Does it matter? Um, it doesn't matter. It's just, I'll be honest, it's, it's, it's enthralling mm. because of gossip or because yeah. of the, you know, of the, <laughs> the, the live drama that is sort yeah. of playing out. And I've got, I kind of got suckered in by some of the conspiracy theories around oh, okay. it. Like, you know, not when I say suckered, it's just like I'm, I don't yeah. know how to weight probabilities of accuracy and the rest of it. But it's just like, I love the, I, what I love. I mean, the idea is Intrigue. fascinating. So, yeah, one of the, yeah. so one of the, one of the, one of it was is that the um, open AI is a not for profit. The mm-hmm. board's 
core mandate is to make sure that they don't unleash uh, Terminators on the rest of us. Basically, I'm okay okay with that. I'm okay with the board's job being not to have Sarah Connor hunted down by a robot. That right. that works for me. Yeah. I'm, I'm okay with that. Time traveling uh, robot. Yep. So yep. yeah, maybe not a not a good thing. But that's that's actually the <laughs> that's the board's man. It's not to maximize profit, right? <laughs> and so that one of one of the you know the leaks or whatever it was was that um, they've got AGI, artificial yep. general intelligence, which right, is sort right. of like this singularity point from which yep. you know everything sort of changes. And that he was running too fast with that. They wanted to hold back. And All right. it, was, it was more around safety concerns rather than what might be, you know, what, what other else is going on behind the scenes. Okay. Um, oh, well, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, it's probably something, some random thing that some 18-year-old made up in their mum's basement and posted on Twitter. And now it's sort of being talked about as, as fact. And here I am talking about it on a podcast. But I just <laughs> sort of like, the world is just fascinating, right? And um yeah, I don't know. I don't know. So that's that's fascinated me. The other the other story of of the week has been uh, CZ as he's called and Binance being sued by the SEC, which is pretty funny to watch. Four billion dollars in fines. Huge, right? Yeah, unbelievable. Yeah. So apparently they've got the funds to be able to do that in time without having to sort of rug pull everyone. <laughs> but yeah, that's 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 been interesting as well. Um, good riddance. See you later. I say. <laughs> I, yeah, I just, I, I'm really, I try desperately not to read that stuff. And and it's funny, I'm not because not I'm more highbrow than anybody else or whatever, just that it's kind of, it ends up being the distraction. You think about you now signal and noise or, you know, Buffett talks about leaving New York City because he just, there was just too much yes. in, intention or, or, or drive to do something, anything kind of to put yourself back from. I kind of, it's not the same thing exactly, but that idea of being so caught up in the, the drama stuff, I think, yeah. I, one of those things I've been thinking about recently, you know, there's that it, I, do, I do love a good quote, right? I, I, and they're not always super uh, accurate or easy, and they're always overly simplified. But you know, that, is it one of those what's your thoughts, they become your actions, what's your actions, they become your habits, that kind of thing? Uh, yeah. And I just, I don't know what yeah. the full quote is, but that kind of idea of yeah. just, you know, it is literally how you feed your brain and what you feed it with. I'm no self help guru, by the way. But, you know, yeah. that just that idea of, what am I putting in my head? What am I focusing on concentrating on? What am I clicking on when I, when I go to the fin? Not that you can't do both and you, you know, all work in no play makes Scotty a dull boy, but mm-hmm. th- there, is, there is something to that idea of like the things I click on, the things I obsess about, things I get interested in, they do tend to drag you around, right? It's like the, the old thing about, you know, the five people you spend the most time with, the people you, you, you become like. That's, yes. you know, choose your friends carefully, that sort of stuff. I, I, I do wonder about the... Um, the tabloid stuff, it, it, and it's always the it's we're, we're human creatures, right? We're, we're we love intrigue and we love that that idea of community and interpersonal play. That's how part of how we became you know, the dominant species. That ability yep. to sort of you know understand and be part of that interplay, but uh, it can be pretty destructive, I think, at some point. And the more time you spend thinking about the biggest new, it's really like investing, right? You follow the yeah. the fad rather than the trend. Yes, trying to distinguish between the two is kind of important. Yeah, no, I, I think that's true. I, so I I'll uh, I guess I would. Um, so I say this is, this is just me protecting my ego or do I really think this? I don't know. <laughs> but I, 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 I think that as long as you understand that this is entertainment. Yeah, that's good. That's is, is, is fine. I think when you start taking a lot of it too seriously, <laughs> I think, I, I think the, definitely when it comes to finance and investing and a lot of stuff that's in the news, that is distracting. And that is what yeah. I want to distance myself from. Do you want to, do you know what I haven't done in ages? Um, and I used to do not that much. I used to do it as a as a because I thought it was important, because it was hard to avoid. Was pay attention to what the US did overnight. Like I, yes, yeah. 
here we are. It's like 9.45 in the morning mm-hmm. on Thursday. I've got no idea what the US did overnight, right? Not me either, actually. And you know what? I don't care. I can click like, <laughs> what? So Every now and again, like some, yeah. some big something big happens and you're like, okay, this is going to have um, a mm-hmm. bit of an impact. But it's just mm-hmm. sort of like that, that kind of noise is what I've become better at yeah. distancing my, myself from. Um, yeah, that, that is, that is, that is dangerous. And, and, and things like daily and weekly and monthly share price changes and charts and all that kind of nonsense. I, I'm, I'm good at distancing that. The other stuff is just a bit of fun. What, what's, what's wrong with flicking through Woman's Day? You know? Like, <laughs> oh, no, nothing. And you're right about As long right as you know it's a story and it's yes, all made up, yes. right? Oh, God. Have you seen the headlines? These are some of those things at the newsstands. They actually used to report it's, stuff that was real. Now they're just making up stuff. Like it's oh, yeah. National Enquirer. That's anyway, blatant. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think I've said this before on the pod, but not for a while, because uh, COVID happened. I've been to the US for a while, but you, your point about what happened in the US overnight is really interesting. So I very rarely check my brokerage account. In fact, I don't think I've checked it. Did I check it yesterday? I don't think I did. I can't remember the last time I looked at my brokerage account. It might have been two or three days ago. Anyway, um, there was this when you go to the US, the Australian market, no surprise to anybody listening, um, happens overnight, right? So when you, you wake up in the morning in the US, the, the Australian trading day is over. Yeah. And there's something to you effectively get the daily summary of what happened rather than rather than living through the workday when the market's open and things are happening. Yes. And it really, I, I normally go for, I'm going in December actually. Um, Normally go for five or seven days at a time, maybe 10 days sometimes. I'm going for a week this time around. Oh, but nice. it doesn't take much. Because you, uh, yeah, and, and really, all of a sudden you go, oh, that happened. Mm. And so you go, oh, that's, that's, that's what a share price did today. Okay, fine. Then you move on to something else. Yeah. And just the fact you're not actually living through the day-to-day, minute-to-minute, second-to-second, the thing of the brokerage is being open and I could trade now, I could check what the share price are doing and the newsreels come through. And it's a bit, again, speaking of the kind of, some of the intrigue, paying attention to the headlines that break Rather than the most important headlines of the day, yeah. doing something after the fact, you know, it's like reading the, the it's it's equivalent of the internet versus the newspaper. Yeah, you know, the yep. first you would know about today's news when you got the, the newspaper delivered to your front door, you went and picked it up from the news news agent, and said, "Oh, that's what's news." Okay, cool. And the next news was not till probably TV that night, and then the yeah. paper the next day. Yeah. All of a sudden now it's minute by minute. We're kind of you know we're trying to absorb so much stuff yeah. rather than the stuff that's genuinely truly important. I, I think I said to you. Um, when reporting season was on, how I, I used to feel as though uh, I had I had to get across the latest announcement. Oh, such and such has got earnings results out. What is it? What do I think? That's I've got to act. I've got to, and and I just I've more recently gotten much better at like there's no rush. Uh, I'll get to this when I get to it. Whatever the market's going to do is going to do it far too quick for me to react and anticipate anyway. So there's there's no point in in doing that. In fact, I'm probably going to make a really bad decision under that pressure <laughs> and under that influence. Mm-hmm. So I was sort of like I I exactly that where I'll intentionally just sort of say, well, I'll read that on the weekend and then I'll think about it and I'll make a decision on Monday. Like and it's it feels negligent to yeah. do it that way, but I've actually found that it's been super super helpful. That's um, a really really good point. You can get too close to this stuff. Mate, this morning I opened Twitter, as I want to do, and the trending topic was hashtag inflation. <laughs> and there's a reason for that. Yep. Uh, a couple, there's a couple of reasons for that. God, we uh, can't get away from this <laughs> bloody topic, can we? <laughs> we can't. Because um, it's the only thing that matters right now, I think, in terms of the impact on the economy. If you think about, and you and I, again, have had different uh, views on the, uh, the RBA and, and government policy and whatever else, but... The reality is the economy is going to go in the direction that it's pushed by monetary and fiscal policy based on this thing. Mm. And long term, it'll still be fine, right? So that's the other thing is 
you know, we're, we're to some degree, this podcast are, are ex- exactly an example of what we've talked about before, which is doesn't matter week to week. We talk about inflation in a year's time, two years time, ten years time. Is it really going to matter? Twenty twenty three will be a fascinating footnote, but probably not much more than that, unless uh, everything goes really badly in the meantime. Let's hope that doesn't happen. Oh gosh. Yeah. So, so Michelle Bullock, new RBA governor, gave a speech uh, on Wednesday night. Now we're doing this on Thursday morning, and by tomorrow or Friday, when you listen to this, it might be old news. But this was. I think, um, I don't know. There's a, there's a degree of confirmation bias, quite frankly, about some of this stuff. So I want to be a little bit careful to your point about, you know, wanting to, wanting to believe I'm right. Um, we've been talking for a while about the domestic implications of inflation. And Michelle Bullock effectively said exactly that overnight. You know, this thing started as a global phenomenon. Oil prices, food prices, Supply COVID shutdown, restart. Exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. Mm-hmm. That, was, that, was, that was the story of, of the onset of inflation. Mm. Uh, pl- plenty of money being printed, of course, on top of that. Yep. Um, you do all that stuff. Not, not on top of. Uh, that's, that's, well, I, w- I would put that first and then, right, and then so the inflation. Yes. Yeah. I mean, on top of just stuff we've talked about, but you're yeah. right, yes. Um, so, so, yes, sorry. I mean, on top of the other reasons for inflation, sure. not, sure. not separate to inflation. Sure. Uh, good point. So there's all that happening. Um, we also then have massive government stimulus, uh, separate to the money printing, which is just literally you know payments and all that kind of stuff. So lots and lots mm. of money thrown at the economy. Mm-hmm. Unsurprisingly, and a, and a constrained economy, unsurprisingly, demand outstrips supply. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know from Euro economics that pushes prices up. That's mm-hmm. the that's the backstory, if you like. I don't mean it's not important, but that's where we were. The where we are now, mate, is inflation in the US is back down to, I think it's is it three and a half percent, something, something close like that. to that. Yep. We're at five point six percent on the last month's numbers. Mm-hmm. We are two percentage points higher than the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. There probably is a lag, to be fair. So we we, were, we lagged in, we'll probably lag out of inflation if and when it goes away. But Michelle Bullock saying, actually, there's no longer a globally driven problem. Yeah. This is a domestic issue. And I thought that was pretty stark of her to say. Mm-hmm. Um, again, not even withstanding our, our differences on RBA and what that should be used for, mm-hmm. I'm pretty encouraged to see Michelle Bullock following the Phil Lowe economic orthodoxy playbook rather than <laughs> maybe if you're appointed by a, gov- a government who just tur- turfed the old bloke out, you might say, gee, what should I do differently? So I'm pretty happy that she's kind of gone, actually get stuff that I'm going to do the right thing. Me, me you know. too, by the way. You, but yeah. it does make the, the whole sacking of such a, it was such oh, a circus, right? Someone needs to suffer. It's gonna. We need to blame some, hey, that guy, let's blame that guy. All right, problem solved. Like, uh, <laughs> replacement's doing exactly the same thing. So yeah. Exactly, it's correct. Yes, which is the absolute stupidity Laughable. of getting rid of Phil Lowe in the first place. Mm. Anyway, but now she's saying, guys, this is domestic. This is a real issue. And I think, I think it's worth talking about, mate. We'll talk a little bit in a minute about a UBS report out recently, but I think it's important for a couple of reasons. The first is that it, it kind of bells the cat and says the quiet bit out loud, as the cool kids like to say these yeah. days. Yeah. Um, it also, so Assistant Treasurer Stephen Jones was saying during the week, oh, it's a global problem. Other countries are, other countries are having this problem. This is apparently before Michelle Bullock's speech. Yeah. Other countries are having these issues and it's supply chains and it's all things we just mentioned. And so, you know, we're, all, we're like them. And Michelle Bullock's gone up, stood up and basically said, uh-uh. Sorry, Minister. Uh, I need to. I need, no, no, I'm directed at him, of course. Yeah. But in the wake of that, uh, couldn't be more starkly different. And uh, I don't. This is not a political view. We 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 gave the Morrison government heaps during their term. Uh, I don't mind giving the Albanese government heaps during their term. Uh, quick tangent later on that mm-hmm. one. Uh, but uh, you know, when, when when the government's trying to pretend that they have no role in this, there is no possibility to fix this. It's not a domestic issue. It's really not our fault. It's their fault. Those bad people over there. And at the very least, we're as bad as they are. Yep. Michelle Bullock stands up and goes, 
Yeah, so it's pretty much us not. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's me, not you. you know, it's, it's not me. It's like that, that kind of idea of like, yeah, yeah, don't blame them. It's actually it's actually us. Yeah. Um, I'm not surprised, mate. I, I think it was obviously true um, by any stretch. The Australian economy is 80% services, and the services inflation is what's really jumping ahead. Now, gas is still expensive. Housing is still expensive. Those things are absolutely true, um, but. The, the stuff they're seeing. And the reason, frankly, they, wrote, they increased interest rates last month, the minutes came out this week, and basically said exactly that. Inflation is too high. Mm-hmm. Uh, interesting enough too, mate, they modeled, slight tangent, but they modeled out, apparently, some scenarios. And basically, they, the, 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 I can't remember the exact quote, but they kind of went, <laughs> the cost of doing nothing, if inflation is modestly higher than we think, mm. is, is not worth bearing. Effectively, you know, this is, that there was there was no no other choice to make in that circumstance. Mm-hmm. Your thoughts on on Michelle Bullock's comments and how it leaves us as an economy? I mean, she's one hundred percent right. Uh, the 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 initial impulse was things like just in time delivery, global supply chains. It wasn't a it wasn't okay. a local phenomena. It was yep. it was a global phenomena, and yep. and uh, absolutely that that was the case. But that made everything more expensive. I mean, what people forget. I have to keep reminding myself um, and wherever I can, I'll remind others as well. <laughs> Economies are dynamic organisms, yeah. right? They, they, they react. They're not, they're not static. And mm-hmm. so generally speaking, when you see things like a supply constrained environment and prices go up, that price impulse creates a motivation for someone else to come in and add <laughs> yeah. supply to it. That's what right. we want the money to do. That's that's right, exactly. it, that's that's the point. <laughs> that's the point. And and you know yeah, what? Yeah. You can you can when when as long as it's not something where there's uh, some deep moat around where, where a, a supplier has a huge competitive advantage and massive pricing power, which is rare, as we've talked about before. Yeah. You know, generally speaking, someone else can come in. Add supply and and correct it, and that's what we want it to do. We want, we expect, or we should expect, as I've said before, umbrellas to be more expensive on a rainy day, and ice mm-hmm. cream to be more expensive on a hot summer's day, because there's more demand. That that just is what it is, right? And that's not a bad thing. So, although we had these big unexpected price rises um, from COVID and supply chains and the rest of it, that was always going to resolve itself, right? Like it 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 just was. But what happened is it 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 transformed into the more service side of things, which is harder, particularly in a, a, a constrained labor market, to fix easily. And then you get the wage price sort of spiral yes. phenomena in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a complicated de- debate. But anyway, yes. in, in, that, in, yes. that, in that particular sphere, it's like, well, everything's more expensive, so I get a pay rise. Okay, so you get a pay rise. Well, that means that's we've got to charge correct. a bit more. And then it sort of, it sort of feeds on, it, on itself a little bit there. Yep. Um, I hate to do this, mate, but I'm going to. But it's the houses, <laughs> stupid. Like it just. It, <laughs> you it, don't hate to do this at all. I, I, well, I, I just I, I don't know how to have this conversation yeah. without bringing it up because yeah, totally. it, it's yep. been made yep. before by people far smarter than me. But yep. something like when you look at the CPI basket, rents are like mm-hmm. seven, eight percent or so. It's, I think it's like the biggest item or one of the biggest items in there. Mm-hmm. So we've had this we've had this other phenomenon that's playing into this as well, which is. Higher interest rates have meant higher debt servicing costs, yeah. which have meant people have put up mortgages. I mean, this is, this is not, mm-hmm. not saying anything controversial here. Like this, yep. this is what yep. has happened, yep. which is part of what's pushing inflation up, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. means that, oh, we need to put interest rates up, which makes <laughs> mortgage expenses more higher, which pushes <laughs> rents up. Which are, so that, that's, that is a huge, huge part of the problem. So you've said the services part, which is absolutely right. I'll, mm-hmm. put, the, I'll put the rent and mortgage uh, part, or the housing 
yep. affordable, uh, what's the word, the housing costs side of things, mm-hmm. part of it mm-hmm. as well. And this is the danger of having such a high debt load. Yes, when interest rates aren't that high, it's not a bigger deal, but it mm-hmm. means that you're in a more fragile position for when they do rise, things Correct. can run away very, very quickly, which is what which is what we are seeing. And I think the the we talked about the the bluntness of the instrument before, but yeah. you know, it it it's sort of like that's that is the consequence of us all leveraging up to the eyeballs. And now we're in this death sort of spiral. Death spiral is too harsh a term, but you know, this this yeah. this sort of feedback loop where I don't I don't know how we get out of it, frankly. I think um the, the problem, well. I always struggle when we talk about this sort of stuff because there's, there's, there's ideal policy, not ideology, but just ideal policy, and then there's pragmatic reality. And yeah. so do you, the answer to your question is really, really simple. Uh, you know, a responsible government who says, well, let's use fiscal policy to help. <laughs> we always not... land on that, don't we? Yeah. Right, well, but that, that's it's the, the answer. That's the answer yeah. to your question. Exactly. It's literally yeah. the answer to your question is actually in that circumstance, you could do other things to help the RBA do its thing, which would actually, firstly, as you say, if you make something more expensive, it's inflationary. So you do the reverse. You take stuff away, and that you know it's a, it just it just makes it makes very it's very frustrating. Put it that way. Um, yes. And I don't really know. Again, the, that's what I mean about pragmatic versus ideal. Because the government, even, as I said, Stephen Jones on Wednesday basically saying, "Well, it's not us; it's them." You know, it's all about. So like, no, no, no. It, whatever you pretend that's true, I, I don't for a second believe that the government believes that. By the way, mm. um, it, this is pure politics. And whatever people are playing politics, and by the way, the last government were the same, and this is what I meant about pragmatic versus ideal, because who's actually going to be the adult in the room? Uh, well, everyone points to Phil Lowe and then fires him when, when things don't work out. And so you think, well, hang on, Michelle Bullock, to her great credit, despite the fact she knew why Phil Lowe was, to, was torched, says, no, nah, I'm here and I'm going to do the right thing because it's the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. And if that makes me popular with the government, so be it. Uh, I, good, I, all, all power to our arm, mate. That, that, is, that is what we want public servants to be. The, the great tragedy and, frankly, the, I'll say betrayal, by the government was to get rid of Phil Lowe for doing his job. That's, that's the bit that genuinely stinks. Now, yes, he made some mistakes. Rates were up too low, uh, too, too quick, too slowly, sorry. He made a terrible forecast about when they were going to go up, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I get it, right? Mm-hmm. But, yeah, drive but, drives me nuts. My, my, my frustration is it's not as if, it's not even as though the government is not helping and is being neutral. Yeah, that's right. It's like so. It's so we're saying you guys yeah. have to do yeah. your your part here. And like, no, we just don't want to do anything. No, you're yeah. you're, you're yeah. actively adding yes. to the problem. <laughs> Bloody yeah. No, yeah. Anastasia, um, the oh, other sorry. day, doubling the doubling the first oh. homeowners grant in in yeah. Queensland. Like, you know, for me, four hundred times. Shame on you. Like, what? At what point is it like a? We have tried this for decades now, and it's never worked. It's never ever worked. And, yep. and it, this isn't some hot, controversial take here that's on the fringe. Like you ask any mainstream economist, they go, "Yeah, this doesn't work. It's, this is a bad <laughs> idea." Correct, so, correct. so, so it's not. It's not as if they're not putting their shoulders to the wheel and helping things along. They're actively pushing against the the, the cart. You know, so the RBA is trying to push in one way, and you guys are pushing yes. in the other. Yes, yes. yes. Oh my gosh, yes. what are you? Yeah, the RBA got a foot on the brake, and the and the, the government's here pumping the pumping the uh, the accelerator. It's like, oh my god, it just it it's it's mind boggling. So yeah, yeah expect and, and expect higher for yeah. longer. Expect more interest yeah. rate rises. I guess like that's well, that's that's that's, you know? that's the other thing is you know the RBA. I, I I'm not going to frame marks. I'm not going to make predictions, but 
the RBA basically had to raise rates because it was too dangerous not to. Mm-hmm. And then you say, okay, well, they're going to meet in another couple of weeks' time. Mm-hmm. And by the way, they don't meet in January. Yes. So whatever they do in December sits for two months until they come back to the table. Yes. If they were so worried about it last month, there's a quarter of a percent enough to, to make that worry go away. Maybe. Maybe it was insurance or maybe they were, it was, you know, uh, probably okay, but just in case, in which case they might have done enough. But you wouldn't want to bet against a rate rise in December, I wouldn't have thought. No, no. Um, or, well, like if not then in February, it feels as yeah. though that that, yeah. that kind of needs to be done. Mate, um, let's go to one other part of the inflation story because I've, uh, you and I've talked about population before and the particularly the rate of short-term population growth being a mad, again, speaking of house prices going up, yeah, one thing that's pushing house prices up is is interest rates. You've just talked about and rents uh, being pushed up by the same thing. The other thing is when you've got more people who want a home than you can build new homes, again, supply and demand. Uh, this is not rocket science. The, the national um, vacancy rate for yeah. rentals is like 1.1%. I think it's very much a historic 0.9 to the other. Oh, there you I go. It's probably in, come down further. Well, yep, I believe I think, that. I think there's probably, yeah. there might be different categories or different different people doing the numbers, but I've seen both 1.2 and 0.9 and missed the 1.1. But either yeah. way, I, w- I, wonder what that, I wonder what that does to rents and therefore inflation and therefore interest rates. Anyway. Yeah. Continue. And that's the thing, right? So you, yeah. you kind of go, okay, well, there's that going on. Um, so we, we talked about that before. UBS, uh, the, the bank, and, you know, again, use expert reports for what they're worth, including our views, by the way. We're all having a best guess at these things. Um, they actually also fingered superannuation payouts, mm. which I thought was really, really interesting. And I'd not seen that talked about before. Um, I, I guess it must be true. I, I, I am surprised to imagine that there'll be such a step change in superannuation payouts or the, the, the net flows of money into and out of super to actually create that outcome. I, I kind of can't quite, mm. unless it's super that's invested in cash, so the cash is earning more, so maybe there's more money coming from it. But I don't know. I, I, I mean, they've done their research. I'm not going to say they're wrong. I am, I, I am surprised that they believe it can be such an important contributor to actually make that much incremental difference. Is that something that rings true to you or, or surprises you? No, it doesn't. I haven't read the report, but based on what you say, it doesn't seem to make sense. Someone who's so, so I'm so the 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 drawdown from super is too generous. Is that what it's saying, or is, I'm, I'm people are taking not too, too much? Just, yeah, no, not well, not too much, but the amount of money they're taking out of super is pushing up inflation because it's adding to demand. Is their is their kind of view? Which again, it's income stream, right? By definition, they must be suggesting that amount is somehow inappropriate or too high or bigger than last year or something that's actually adding to inflationary pressures in a meaningful way. Mm. It's like some people are getting paid, so therefore that you're earning income, therefore you're adding to demand. It's, I, I must be the delta of the chain somehow. Yeah, that's, that's always the tricky part for me because I, I know I've made this point before, but it's sort of like it needs to be expenditure and demand that is above and beyond what would otherwise be the case. Exactly. So yes. if I've got $2 million yes. in super and <clears throat> I'm a debt-free boomer and I'm living yes. my best life, you know, and and I and I, I I don't I don't see what any of this does to influence me to spend even more. And I'm already going on three trips a year. I'm already, <laughs> you know, right, right. I, I'm, I'm yeah. the, like yeah. my favorite example is always: Do I run out and buy an extra three loaves of bread this week because <laughs> I can? Like, no, yeah, exactly. I'm, I've yep. got all the bread I need. I don't yeah, I don't right. need more bread. You know, it's 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 a nonsense to 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 think that. And even if mm-hmm. I did, as back to my earlier point. You know, bread is a commodity. Eventually, someone will just produce more of it, and the price will will, will adjust downward. So, I'd I I'd have to read the report. So, I don't I don't want to make any mm. accusations here that aren't aren't founded. But it would, yeah. 
yeah, it doesn't it doesn't ring true to me. But again, maybe maybe there's a there's a point I'm missing. Can I <laughs> let, let, let's stay in murky political waters for a second? Um, actually, before I do, I want to go back to that tangent because I'll forget otherwise. You know what I really this is I, I ranty a bit for a second. You know what I really hate is when we say the Albanese Labor government or the Morrison Coalition government or whatever. When when did when did the person who was in the prime minister's chair, by the way, which isn't defined at all, or mentioned in the constitution, when did that person take over the ownership of a government? <laughs> isn't it, isn't it the Australian government either way? Like yeah. I know why they're doing it, and it's all about presidential politics and all that kind of rubbish. I just it's a bit of well, you know, it's not the biggest problem we got, but but some of those things, you know, speaking about thoughts, being how many habits and all that kind of stuff. Sometimes if we just actually heard the Australian government, that might be that might be more useful in pretending that there's some sort of presidential politics going on. Yeah. Anyway, no, no, good point. Good point. What I was going to say, speaking of political, murky political wars and ideological wars, and really, um, Andrew's quivering right now, really <laughs> annoying some of our listeners. Um, I, I, the population thing, Matt, I want to mention to, or I want to make a statement and ask you a question. Mm-hmm. First thing I think is really worth noting, just for those of us who like public policy and kind of think it's important, uh, it is getting a truckload more traction. Um, yes. There have been lots and lots and lots of people now in the public sphere start to talk about the rate of population growth. Now, they're 12 months too late. And by the time anyone does anything about it, you know, we will have taken in more people than live in Canberra. Uh, think about that entire Canberra with people just all of a sudden rocking up. Where would you like to live? Uh, I don't know. We'll, we'll promise to build more houses in five years. Will that help? <laughs> no, I'd like a house now, please. Yeah. Uh, then we're in trouble. Mm-hmm. So there's that. Um, so I think that's interesting from mm-hmm. a, from a um, policy perspective, from a politics perspective. I want to add to mate, while we're, Way off the, Interesting the, is one word. I would use a different adjective personally. Well, but, yeah. what, what I wanted to say, mate, is I, I have been very vocal about the population issues in the short term. We've mm-hmm. talked about it, but I've been vocal on social media and otherwise. I, you know, I'm also really, really, really fearful that we'll end up with a very race-based, xenophobic, ugly debate if this doesn't get resolved. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had people on Twitter say to me, well, you can't bring up population because if you do, then someone's going to make it about race, therefore you should shut up about population. And it's kind of like, dude, that's not how this works. Mm. The, the, the reasonable people, I'll, I'll assume I'm reasonable for the sake of the exercise. Let, let's let, let, give me that assumption for now at least. <laughs> okay. The reasonable people trying to have policy-based discussions on this based on the economics, they're not the people you want to shut up. Mm-hmm. The problem is when no one talks about it and you get to the point where the, the racists and the dog whistles and the xenophobes get their pound of flesh and get their opportunity to speak because everyone all of a sudden looks around and goes, geez, this is uncomfortable. Maybe it's, it is population. And that person over there is saying it's population is a problem. Therefore, I, I'm going to listen to them. Mm-hmm. They say population is a problem. They say, and the bloody insert race here uh, or country here. People are, do, are wrecking our country or whatever else that come that mm-hmm. becomes. So I, I really, really, I think they should address it from economic reasons. But I do think if they don't do it quickly enough, this debate gets really, really ugly real fast, which I think is going to be a horrible thing for our country and particularly for those people who aren't um, middle-aged white blokes like you and I. Mm. Um, you know, there's, there's, this could get really, really messy. We've seen the, the likes of Paul and Hanson and others take take full advantage of, of those sort of race-based oh. um, it's, it's, it's a story as old as yeah. time. You know, when things get tough, you look for the easy targets. And correct, uh, some correct. populist somewhere will will pick up the torch and, and run with that. That's and what I'm, it, that's what I'm worried it, about. Yeah. It's, it's scarily effective. Yeah, <laughs> and, uh, and, yes, and I agree. Foreseeable, yeah. unfortunately, too, right? That's the other thing. Yeah. So that being said, um, what, if any, investment implications are there from the current or potential future policies? Um, I've been interested recently in, in building materials companies, for example. Oh, yeah. Um, 
if you've got a vacancy rate of, of somewhere around 1%, you can assume, I think, that for as long as people can afford to buy those new homes, which we just mm. talked about inflation interest rates, but mm. you've got to live somewhere. Um, there's a reasonable, there's a reason to believe building materials companies may have significant medium to long-term demand. Um, if you think about our banks, uh, potentially more, more bankruptcies or um, defaults if rates keep going up on the flip side, uh, what's going to underpin house prices more than a dramatic shortage of new supply of housing and a lot of people in the country? Mm. Um, your thoughts on those and other investment implications, maybe, maybe on the downside too, by the way. I, I can't think of companies that lose from, from a greater population. Um, maybe they do if, if things turn around, by the way. If, you know, if the doors are shut in a hurry on population, maybe there's, there's implications on the other side. Have you thought anything about that, that part of the investing landscape? Actually, just on Tuesday this week, um, we had a chat with the CEO and CFO of LaserBond. Um, uh, full disclosure, I own shares in the company. It's a really interesting service engineering company. They they basically make um, they make machine parts harder and stronger, so they work better and they last longer. That's the value problem. So it's it's, it's a pretty cool technology. Actually, a really cool story. Anyway, I, don't, I shouldn't I shouldn't pitch it. My my point is <laughs> my point is that they were they were saying one of their biggest challenges is getting qualified staff and that they have had to look uh, to, to bring people in from overseas. Uh, but people who want to, people who have a bit of a grounding in, in the engineering um, uh, field, mm. uh, who are looking to take on apprenticeships and, and, you know, understand their technology and grow. And so they've found, they've found real success with uh, people from the Philippines. And so for yeah, them, right. it's just like, oh, I can't come quick enough. So it's interesting, isn't it? Because yeah, you can yeah. have all of the, the, the objections in the world, but it's just like we have a lot of work. We can't mm-hmm. find enough people local. We just can't. Yeah. Yeah. So we need, we need people from overseas. And guess what? A lot of the people from overseas really, really value what we're offering here. You know, yeah, like yeah. They, 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 they work harder. <laughs> they, they're they're um, much more driven and it's just like from their point of view, it's like bring it on, bring it on. We we need we, we, this is a I wouldn't use a bottleneck is too strong a term, but something like that. It's sort of like this is a bit of a handbrake on it. if we could if we could have more people, we could do more work, and if we could do more work, we can make more money for all of our, our shareholders. Mm. Um, and this isn't through labor exploitation. It's like no people in Australia working under award con- or better than award conditions, and yeah. and you know so it's it's all it it's there is. Um, there is that side of things which needs to, I guess, sort of be highlighted. It's just that it's something, and I guess this is your point that you've long made, and I totally agree. Which is, and I'm actually, I am actually of the big Australia camp, believe it or not. Yeah. Not now, <laughs> but in, in terms of what is possible and yeah. what would strengthen us as a country, mm. I think you know, there's no reason why we couldn't have a lot more people. It just needs to be planned. We just need to make sure that we've got the infrastructure and, and capacity to 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 welcome people mm. and uh gosh i've said before i mean imagine taking the best and brightest that the world has to offer and bringing them here like we're yeah. all stronger as a result of that that's that is yeah. that is a that is a really really good thing um but yeah it's just it's it's not something that you do with abandon and to my mind it, it comes this <laughs> is the least surprising comment of the pod it comes back to housing again right <laughs> like it just does it's just it's, it's, it's this massive massive elephant in the room and it's like we mm. governments are doing everything that they can 
to make yeah. sure that they they keep this thing alive. And, and it's just like, yeah. if you want to keep it alive, we'll bring in, a, bring in a whole bunch of extra people, right? Like that is, because who… You're stoking the flames. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. it's just that it's a very, it's a very effective way to prolong <laughs> what might otherwise mm. happen all else being equal. Yeah, and it really is. Yeah, I, you know, I, it, it sounds very conspiratorial. I don't think it is. It's just sort of like, oh gosh, this is a huge problem. I really don't want this to go bad on my watch. Uh, what can we do to it? Well, we can we can increase the grant. Yes, let's do that. Um, we can relax some of the lending standards. Yeah, okay, let's do that. Do we need that much of a buffer? Probably not. Let's get rid of that. Uh, what if we added more demand? Yeah, okay. Hey, the IMF and others are saying that there's a lot of money laundering that goes on within our sector. It's actually the worst in the Western world. Maybe we should tighten up some of the regulations. No, let's let's not do that. Um, let's bring in a Canberra's worth of people every year. Yeah, let's do that. That like it it it, it feels as yep. though I yep. put my my tinfoil hat is firmly on. <laughs> it feels as though. <laughs> that that is the 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 bigger kind of driver here because you you like any Ponzi and I use that word very deliberately you <laughs> the, the the moment that fresh money starts flowing in stops flowing in is the moment that it that it all tips over and I, I feel as though that's a big part of it. He I'll said to, in the um, most least least surprising comment <laughs> of the of the point. I should, I should say, mate, your, your tinfoil hat in the shape of a, a pirate's hat was also a nice touch too. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. Can't, listeners can't see the the, the, uh, the pirate tinfoil hat he's got. He's also got a, a tinfoil eye patch, so it's, uh, he's going to fall off. Or it be a conspiracy. <laughs> hey, you know why they're called pirates, don't you? Uh, I do, but please go on. Because they are. Because they are. <laughs> One of my favorite jokes. <laughs> there you go, the rest of my listeners. Um, the, the, I, I will add, you know what? You said it's not a conspiracy, and a, a conspiracy implies stuff. I don't know that it's not in the sense that it's very deliberate, right? Yeah. So yeah. does that make it a conspiracy? No, not in itself because conspiracy, uh, you know, suggests a lot of stuff. But it's not It's not an accident. And it's not a surprise. Um, the other thing I think on top of housing, mate, and it's the same issue, is, is GDP. Yes. Um, how, how do you avoid a recession? Well, you jam the country full of people so that they spend a lot of money so that you manage just to you know, avoid a, a total GDP recession. There might be a per capita GDP recession, but as long as no one talks about it, then you can avoid worrying about that. Yep. Uh, even though, as we've said a million times, it made. If I if I was in charge of the ABS, uh, I think I would meaningfully not not for political reasons, but for genuine informational reasons, I would I would actually massively deprioritize GDP and really prioritize per capita GDP. Yes, is the average Australian better off or not? Yeah. That, like it doesn't matter if there's if there's a million more of us and the country is slightly better off, and we're all slight, we're all poorer as a result. Mm-hmm. There's nothing there's, uh, unless you well, if you're running a business. You're probably happy about that because they've got more customers, so screw everybody else. And I say that as, a, as a, an avowed capitalist. But um, you know, if you're Woolies, you want more customers. Of course you do. If you're anyone, you want more customers. Mm-hmm. But as, at, a, at a country level, given we're a society first and economy second, the only question, I mean, there is a question of distribution of that GDP, of course. The averages hide a lot of distribution issues. But at the very least, at the very least, per capita GDP, is the average Australian better off or not? That's got to be the starting point. And, and Mate, I think when it, we pretend it's the total that matters more, we, we miss the point. You know what? The, the perfect analogy there is, particularly for this podcast, is the listed company that makes an acquisition of an equivalent-sized company and issues and doubles the share count to do so. So my, Page Enterprises merges mm-hmm. with Phillips Enterprises. You know, we're yep. both million-dollar-a-year businesses. Yep. And in, 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 in merging with you, I issue double the amount of share count. So now we have Page Phillips Incorporated. It's twice as big. So yeah, hey, look at us. But on a per share basis, nothing, nothing has changed. In fact, a lot of acquisitions, you, you actually exactly. see shareholder wealth being eroded there. And mm-hmm. statistically, very significant um, to, to a degree there. Like it, it's, it, it's, it's the more 
or um, it's more common than it adding value on a per share basis. So that feels like it's a bit of a, a shell game, if that's the right analogy, in, in the yeah. sense that I want to call it a vanity metric, just general, mm-hmm. general GDP. It is. It is absolutely a vanity metric. It, yeah. it's, it's, a, it's, it's a boasting metric. Yes. My, my, my uh, thing is bigger than your thing. Yep. Uh, it's an <laughs> appropriate metaphor here. Um, it, it literally is, right? It, it, it's actually completely irrelevant yeah. for anything else. Uh, you know, does it make us safer? No. Does it make us better? No. Why, 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 would it, why would it, if you're a government, why would you care? And I've got to say, mate, the, the, I, I don't hold a lot of hope this is going to change. Because whenever I mention it on, on Twitter, I get the, well, of course growth is good. Well, is it? What sort of growth? Well, of course we need to be bigger. Really? Why? Explain mm-hmm. to me why that's necessary. Mm-hmm. And, and the whole idea of, I'm not saying they're necessarily wrong, but they don't have, you know, my favorite, one of my favorite West Wing episodes oh, yeah. is where the, the presidential contender makes, a, makes a, some sort of statement. And then Jed Bartlett, the, the, the president, says, what are the next 10 words? You tell me the next 10 words. You finish the paragraph and I'll resign the race right now. Tell me exactly what the next 10 words are after that slogan. And of course, the, 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 um, the other guy can't do it. And, yeah. and that idea of like, well, of course we should want more GDP. Okay, why? Yeah. Well, because it could be bigger. Really? Why? How, how are we better off? And again, I'm not, saying, I'm not saying they can't make an argument. I'm saying most people don't. They've just swallowed the line because we've been told over and over and over again People say to me, oh, look at Japan. Their GDP is shrinking. I'm like, well, yeah, but the average GDP per capita in Japan is actually growing. So explain to me exactly why Japan's... Now, they've got their own economic issues, but mm-hmm. at, at, at a per-person level, you know, where, where, where is the burning platform here? And I, yeah. again, I'm not, saying, I'm not saying we shouldn't grow or don't want to grow, and I'm not saying there's not good reasons for it, but the, 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 those who have pushed this line have had a wonderful, wonderful victory by getting us to accept that starting point of... Well, obviously, that, that's true. It becomes a self-evident truth, except it's not self-evident other than we've all said it so long that no one thinks yes. to question it anymore. You repeat a lie often enough, it becomes the truth, right? And that's, no. that's exactly what it is. I mean, we should, we should want to be richer. Not, yes. Not in a, um, uh, you know, just, just for the decadence yeah. of it. Yeah. But, <laughs> yeah. but that, I mean, that is technology. That is mm-hmm. progress. Me mm-hmm. as an, as a middle-class yes. person in Australia live a life that is, that, you know, Louis the second could only dream of, right? Yes. It, it is, it is, inc- and it's because of technology and it's because we are richer purpose. That, that is a very noble cause. We want a better mm-hmm. quality of life for our, for ourselves and, and for our children. And yes, I, I would, I, I would add to that. We want that to, to, to be sort of fairly evenly or fairly distributed, maybe that's the better term, fairly distributed yes. uh, amongst all of that. But but higher GDP doesn't necessarily make that the case. I, as I've said before in previous pods, right now in 2023 in Australia, whose GDP is going up, mm-hmm. um, house prices are back at record levels, et cetera, et cetera. Food bank lines are the longest they have ever been. People living in cars is the biggest that it has ever been. You know, yeah. it's it's sort of there is there is a distortion there within the average, and it's we just we're we're missing the the point here. I think of no, of no. when we focus on on these kinds of things. I would even go as far. This might be more controversial. I'll go <laughs> as far to say as I think there's a lot of vanity in unemployment metrics as well. Right. I mean, do we want everyone to have a anyone who wants a job can have a job? Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. I'm not going to argue against that. But it's just sort of like we also want meaning and value and self-worth to be in jobs. It's just like if I could make everyone employed, but, you know, we're all doing horrible jobs cleaning chimneys or industrial furnaces, you know, and 
you know, that's kind of Russia 1980s, right? Everyone officially yeah. had a job because you all, you know, and, and there were still bread lines and, you know, yeah. make, making it making it so doesn't make it right or, or better. Yeah, I, I want I want I want meaning and value and and purpose in my work. That's what I want. You, interestingly enough, when the psychologists ask what makes what makes for a well-rounded happy life, mm. one of the it's things like social connections, family. It's yes. nothing controversial there. What, but actually, I think. If not the biggest thing, one of the biggest things is purpose and meaning in one's work. Mm-hmm. Yep. And and this is this is why I think we've often said before, but you know, I win the Powerball, I think I'd probably take a great holiday and knock about for a bit. But after a while, I would need to do something. I would, you know, like I, it's amazing how quickly that baseline of contentment resets amongst very big lottery winners. Same people have very bad luck yeah, in life. You become right. a a, a, yes. a quadriplegic or something. You know, it's like not something that you'd yeah. you you'd ask for. But mm-hmm. a few years after that accident, you know, you ask people and they they're certain content. And we are very good at adapting to whatever our situation is. And and those happiness levels return to sort of that, that baseline. But we want we want that we want to drive that baseline higher by ensuring that the work that we are doing is others people see it as valuable. I feel as though I'm making a difference. There's a purpose. It's not just I do X to get money to live, which is obviously the, the subsistence yeah. part of it. But beyond that threshold, I'd like to think in the 21st century, we're heading at least directionally <laughs> to a point where we, we can all have jobs, but, but jobs that create value and meaning for us as, as individuals. Totally. I mean, that goes in a hundred different directions too, by the way, because it doesn't need to be paid work to have that purpose or meaning. Yeah, it does so that sort of stuff. The other thing too, and speaking of, we've made the point that communism is not good, so let's 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 assume that our listeners have uh, accepted that because the only thing I want to say is… You're on the wrong is, podcast. If you, if there yeah. are other podcasts out there that if, you're, if you're looking for that angle. <laughs> that being said, um, even GDP itself, the, the whole the whole concept of measuring GDP as if it matters. Um, it's the old quote, you know, not everything that counts can be counted, not everything that can be counted yes. counts. Yep. Um, we measure GDP why? Because we can, and so it's become the de facto measure. So not only not only has total GDP swamped per capita GDP inappropriately, but to pretend, which we do not overtly or consciously, but subconsciously, that's what matters. So yeah. you know, we, we said before, if there's an earthquake and all the buildings are repaired, GDP will go up. So hang on, we've replaced the buildings we already had. So we're no better off afterwards. We've got the same assets. We have to spend money to do it. And yet the boffins would say, hey, the economy is bigger. GDP went up. We're all happier and wealthier <laughs> now. It's like, well, hang on. Just explain that to me again. Uh, car crashes. You repair a car that's pranged. Guess what? GDP yeah. goes up. Yes. Um, it's the broken window um, yes. metaphor, yes. right? It's like we should just go around breaking all the windows because yeah. it's going to create a lot of work. <laughs> it doesn't create any value for anyone, but you know, yeah. it, it yeah. does create a lot of work. It's 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 a nonsense. Yeah. I would go so I, think, I would go a bit okay. further and say it's it's not even just GDP per capita; it's real GDP per capita. I've yes. seen a few companies do this actually. They'll report increased sales. Oh, that's fantastic! Yeah, but. The volume of stuff <laughs> that you're right. selling is the same, well, and your costs yeah, have gone yeah, up. So yeah. yes, it looks as though there is growth, but that growth is yeah. purely an inflationary-driven growth. There's no real growth that is there. So real per capita GDP, if you're going to use GDP at all. That, yes, correct. You need those correct. two two uh, prefixes. Yes, but well, we should go. We should go further than that. I think you know. To your point, you made many times. Standard of living wise, 
you know, some of the poorest people today are better off than the richest people in the 1800s. Yeah. So are you, are you better off or not? Well, you know, it's a whole topic story. Motley Fool Money. For more, subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener. Hey, yeah, mate, let's, let's move on because we are getting late in the podcast. Two big corporate stories this week. Uh, let's start with uh, the Optus CEO. Uh, unsurprising for many, uh, she decided that maybe, uh, Kelly Rosmarin, by the way, is her name. She decided that maybe, maybe being CEO of Optus isn't the best thing for her or the company. She spoke to a Senate committee where the Polly's got their 15 seconds of fame by being tough guys and giving everyone a hard time. And then she says, okay, that's enough. I'm, I'm now leaving. I, uh, <laughs> I have to say, I was, I was joined by Jerry Harvey in this view, which I don't mind, but people will uh, choose, to, <laughs> choose to blue certain things. So I'll put that up front. Um, I have long been of the view, I think I've, I've made this point before on the podcast. I think we are way too Roman in our uh, view of these things, that the need for blood, uh, the, the, the need for, to be sated by someone paying a price ahead on a, on a pike, uh, choose whatever horrible metaphor you want. She brackets or quotes had to go, in quote, because there was an Optus outage for eight hours. <laughs> now, I've said before, mate, um, if you said to our grandparents, so here's the thing. I got this thing in my pocket. It has the world's knowledge. I can communicate with anybody, anywhere, on video or audio. I can get whatever information I need. I can live my life, do my job on this thing. Um, the bad news was, it was only available for 364 and a half days this year. <laughs> and our grandparents would look at us and go, what the hell? You know, I think, I think we lose perspective so incredibly quickly, right? This technology didn't exist 30 years ago. And now when we don't have it for eight hours, we want heads to roll. So I think there's that. I think, I think we need a bit of perspective. Yep. The other thing, though, I really do think is the need for someone to pay the price, I think, is not a great thing for our society. And I'm going to say as investors, this is the point I want to make. As investors, we need to be very, very careful about what we think we need or what we think is deserved. And here's the, here's the example I want to use. You used the, the idea of page enterprises um, mm -hmm. before, right? Let's say you're running, Andrew Page is running page enterprises. And Andrew uh, does something horrible and he uh, uh, decides that he wants to, I don't know, buy Bitcoin for his company. <laughs> and, uh, and, sorry. <laughs> and in doing, so, in doing so, earns the ire of, of, of the populace. Uh, as a result, Andrew says, oh, okay, I made a mistake. He sells his Bitcoin. Sorry, mate. I should, I never. Never. It. It was fun. Right, exactly. So he sells his Bitcoin. Sorry, I made a mistake. Now, if I owned Page Enterprises, I wouldn't because it'd be Phillips Enterprises, but let's, let's, let's go with it. And Andrew Page was the best bloke to run the company because of his undoubted skills in running private online investment clubs, as I'm told he has uh, skills in that area. Uh, and he makes a mistake that he then apologizes for and corrects. Does Andrew Page stop being the best person to run that business because he made a mistake. Mm. Is there really someone better out there? Because here's the thing. Imagine Warren Buffett in the same situation. He runs Berkshire, something happens for eight hours, and he says, oh, Buffett's got to go. He ran the company and it went badly for a while. Get rid of him. If that had been done in 1972 or 1984 or 1996 or 2005, the lost value from having some other schmuck run Berkshire because Buffett was somehow forced out because of a bad PR outcome, I just, I think we are really getting things very wrong. I think that need for, for bloodlust, the, the need for someone to pay, the shock jockery that takes us to, that person's got to go because then I feel like I've earned a scalp. Mm. Uh, maybe she's not the best person for the job. If she wasn't, she shouldn't be there anyway. But if she is, 
we've now lost or they have lost the best person for the job because of a tech adder she wasn't responsible for. Now, she's accountable for it. She's responsible for it. She's the CEO. It's her call. I don't think she needs to go, mate. I, I just, I don't get, I don't get how people think Optus is better off without someone who in theory up to that point was the best person for the job. Am I wrong? Uh, I don't know if you're right or wrong because I, I don't, I don't know what's gone on behind the scenes. So there's two, yeah, there's two possibilities. And I mean, I, I totally get what you're saying, right? So if the situation is that she was a highly competent executive making very good decisions, mm-hmm. very good capital allocator, setting a good culture for the business, driving value for customers and ultimately for shareholders, and there was a misstep or just mm-hmm. a, a, you know, a, 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 an accident or something that was just sort of un, un, unavoidable, then yeah, that's just, you know, getting rid of her is is a really dumb thing, and it's it's you know the PR people have gotten in saying, hey, we just we need we need to sort of be seen to be doing something. We'll do this. I'm sure the conversation was mm. they just want to take one for the team, and she will be well compensated. You know, it's yeah. not it's not. Yeah. I don't I don't think she's going to suffer too much, and I'm sure she'll get a job no problem elsewhere. Um, so I don't feel too sorry for her, given when what I imagine is happening behind um, oh totally behind the scenes there. So yeah, in that in that case, you're right. On the other hand, there is something to be said about whether it was your direct fault or not. That response with great power comes great responsibility. <laughs> to quote Peter Parker's uncle, <laughs> um, uh, and and that that is that, that 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 is part of the reason why CEOs get paid so much, right? It's yes. just like, well, you 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 are yep. the buck stops with you ultimately, right? Mm-hmm. So you 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 kind of have to do that. The other possibility is is that, well, whatever went wrong, whether or not it was avoidable, you know, maybe there wasn't enough emphasis on uh, uh, risk mitigation uh, approaches and robustness of the network and whatever. In, in other words, maybe you just weren't doing a good job and maybe you deserve to go and this was the straw that broke the camel's back. And so behind the scenes, there are people in the know yeah. who are very, very plugged in within the organization that, that would have a more objective and reasonable view on, on which two of those scenarios is true. So if it is the latter, then yeah, see you later. Got to go, right? Um, if not, then yeah, then, 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 I, then I take your point. Um, I, think, I think that's, my issue isn't even so much for Kelly. I don't, I don't, I mean, I don't know her. I don't, she's being well looked after. She's been paid a lot of money. It is, it is the chance she's, she's fine. I'm saying as, I'm saying as an investor, if you owned the company, would you, would you really want a good CEO gone because someone has to pay the price? Or would you say, that sucks. I wish you hadn't done that. I wish you'd fixed it up. Hope you've learned something for it, but I'm still glad you're running the company. Yeah. You know, as I, I, want, I want the best. If she's not the best person, as you said, if it's the end of a, a long line of, you know, disappointments, then hope, well, frankly, should have been shown the door before now. Yes. That, that's almost, you know, I, I just think, is, is it a chance? Is it the straw that breaks down with that? Possibly. But man, the board have been pretty tardy if they had to wait for this to get rid of her if she's no good. And if she is good, then getting rid of her or letting her go just to cauterize a PR wound because you don't like bad press for a couple of weeks. Yeah. I just, I just really think as an investor, again, think about that second order thinking, right? As an investor, I want the best person running for the, running the company. I mean, Jerry Harvey himself is a great example. I own Harvey Norman shares. Um, you know, Jerry's not exactly immune to PR snafus, right? <laughs> but he's run a pretty good retail for 50 years. Like, you know, would, would I like him to be less... Um, uh, serving sometimes, sure. Would I, would I like him to maybe not, you know, uh, make some of those outlandish comments? Yes, I, that, I would like that a lot. Uh, he's even been horribly wrong about online retail. He was super late. So no one will buy the stuff online, right? Yeah. But, and yet, I, I guess that's my point. And yet, yeah. he's managed to run a spectacularly good retail for 50 years. I haven't owned shares for anything like that long. Mm. But that's kind of almost my, 
almost the, the example, right, of like in a different in a different company, Jerry gets pushed out at some previous point because of some perceived or actual mistake. Mm. But if you're still the best person for the job, who do you want? The person who's learned, made the mistake and learned from it or someone who's coming in with no track record and saying, well, the other guy had to go. I hope you can do okay. But if you don't, then we're screwed. Yeah. I, I just, I really don't think probabilistically getting rid of a CEO who's learned a lesson as long as they're half capable is, is a smart idea. Yeah, the other... I agree. And the other thing that's hard is mm. that it's not immediately the, – these people are yes, making decisions. Yeah. It's like turning the Titanic, right? Like you yeah, you, you crank right. the wheel to the left mm-hmm. or mm. port or I forget, whatever, you know. <laughs> <laughs> don't, 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 um, don't test me on my nautical knowledge. but I've got Popeye the Sailor Man playing in the back of my head now for reasons <laughs> that may or may not be appropriate, but keep going. So I, make, I, I turn the wheel and then like, you know, three miles down or yeah, knots right. or whatever, whatever the nautical <laughs> equivalent is, I, I, the, the, the ship starts to turn. So a really good example, I, I can yeah. directly, because I've, I've been a shareholder for many years and this is with mm. Catapult. I think the technology and opportunity is just fantastic there. Yeah. And I think they've done a lot of wonderful things. But the previous management team was just very profligate, no, no cost discipline whatsoever, made some very mm. bad acquisitions, et cetera, et cetera. And so they put uh, Will Lopes in former CEO of um, Audible, actually. Mm. Um, and we're now seeing some, the business is really starting to hit its strides. But it just, it took a few years, right, to, to do yeah, that. Yeah. I could imagine in a world where it's like, right, let's get rid mm-hmm. of, they, they deserve to go, right? Um, um, I don't want to be too mean, but they did. They deserve to go the former management, um, at least from, from executive decisions. Um, and then you imagine like a year or two later, the new bloke is in and the share price is still done. Okay, yeah. we're going to get rid of him. Was like, whoa, 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 whoa. You know, mm-hmm. it, it, you, you absolutely need to get rid of them if they're not doing what needs to be done, but also understand that it will take time for, for some of these decisions to, to become evident. And let's not forget too, just after that, that transition happened, COVID happened as well and yeah, sporting right. leagues shut down. It was all this, it just, <laughs> there's so much noise. And that is, mm-hmm. that is the real, or one of the core art or skill art of an investor is separating mm-hmm. signal from the noise. Cause there is so much noise as we started the pod talking about. And it's just sort of like, well, what's, what is the important thing here? And I've always thought this actually, the, the, the really important decisions um, aren't obviously uh, important and good decisions aren't immediately recognizable as good. Yeah. ProMedic is a company we like to talk about, right? I just think mm-hmm. it's one of the, they, they made this acquisition years ago. It was, it was, and now everyone recognizes that, that, that's, that, that what they bought that's right. from Germany has just like become the business and has like underpinned yeah. such incredible yeah. wealth creation. It was, took, took years for that to become obvious, right? Mm-hmm. And it's, mm-hmm. it's just sort of like, so what am I trying to say? I'll, I'll tie a knot in it, which is, yes, there deserve to be consequences when, when there are faults yep. uh, at, um, being, uh, that, that are evident, um, yes. but be sure that, be sure that you're actually connecting, you know, cause and effect here because within, you can have the most capable, honest, hardworking executives there. And, you know, as the saying goes, oh, I, I, poo happens, right? I'll use the, 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 the cleaner Thank language you. here. It just well, does. It just does. That's, that's and that's not anyone's right. fault, right? And, and. If you want to see a scalp, if you want to have some, you feel right. as though you need something because your share price went down, I need someone to pay for this. Maybe it makes you feel better. But if you're actually getting rid of talent here, it's actually, you're actually shooting yourself in the foot. And be, be, be careful what, you, what you're after, what you wish for. 100%. I think the only question is, is this person still the right person to run the business? Yeah. 
That's literally the only question. Are they the best person on the visit? If there's someone better out there, if there's someone sack her because there's someone better out there anyway. Yeah. Thanks, Kelly. It's been great. I found I found Andrew Page. He's going to do a great job running Optus. He's coming in because he's going to do a better job than you are. That's that. I have no problem with that whatsoever. Yeah. But if you say, well, actually, Kelly, despite your mistakes, she's still the best person to run the business. Getting rid of that person is literally a self-inflicted wound by yeah. definition. You're, you're replacing it with someone who's not not quite as good. Yeah. Hey, mate. Um, speaking of uh, controversial things, ANZ. Making its staff come to the office 50% of the time. I am, this, this kind of goes to the same degree of second order thinking in my mind. I think we've talked about this before on the podcast. I've certainly tweeted about it a lot. And I'm really surprised how polarizing this is for a whole lot of people. And yeah, it is. A whole lot of people really, really hate work from home. And I don't get it. I, I just, I, I get being ambivalent about it. I don't get hating it. I don't, I don't, I really don't. I was really surprised. So maybe that's my own bias showing or, or my own way of thinking. ANZ have said to their staff, you must work from the office 50% of the time or we're going to dock your bonus. That's pretty direct, right? Now, here's Idiots. my take on this. I'm, well, that's so here's my take on this. <laughs> that's the short version. Idiots. Yeah, pretty much. That's yeah. <laughs> I so again, think about it as invest, purely as an investor, right? Like let's let's ignore. Here's the thing. People love to think about uh investing in the context of social issues or or of or of ideology, right? Climate change, blah, blah, blah. Is it real or is it not? It doesn't actually matter. What actually matters is what governments, consumers, and companies do in the context of that. Now, of course, climate change is real. If you don't believe that, I need you to check the science. Um, there you go. Lost more listeners gone. Yeah. <laughs> um, but but you know, whether whether you whether you like it or not doesn't matter. It only matters what companies, consumers, and governments do as a result. Work from home. Think so I don't care if you like work from home or not, right? Here's the thing. Imagine you've got a company. So let's talk, let's talk about Page Enterprises and Phillips Enterprises again. Mm-hmm. Phillips Enterprises says, all of my 14,000 staff, because I'm very big and rich and important and successful, all my 14,000 staff, you guys have to work from the office 50% of the time. No choice, right? You can work from home sometimes, but I'm going to make you be in the office half the time. There'll be a portion of the staff who go, it's okay, I was working from the office anyway. I, I liked it. I was there. It was cool. Portion of the staff who say, 50% seems reasonable to me. I'm going to keep doing that, or I already was doing that, or it's not a big deal. I'll do that. And a portion of the staff who say, actually, Phillips, go and get staffed. Uh, I don't want to do that. Now, that group will be split into not even twos, but binary is always easy for conversation. The group who are great workers and the group who, who are terrible workers. Mm-hmm. The terrible workers are going to be terrible whether they're at home or in the office. Yes. And they're going to be disgruntled anyway, right? And I'm st- and if I've hired them, if I'm paying them, a bit like the, the opposite thing, my issue is having them in the first place, not where they work, right? Yep. If, they're, if they're crap employees, they're crap employees no matter where they are. The other part of that group are actually really, really good employees who say, actually, I'm a rock star. I'm worth 10 times an average employee because I'm smarter, work harder, have better connections, better ideas, more skills. Whatever those things are, I'm better. And I really like flexible working. So you know what I'm going to do? Um, thanks anyway, Phillips. It's been, well, it hasn't been fun because you're, you're a Muppet and I don't like you anyway, but you paid me and that was okay. I hear Page Enterprises allows their staff to work completely flexibly. Sometimes they need to be in the office for meetings or company events, but most of the time they can pretty much just choose their own thing and do what they want as long as they're productive. And and Andrew Page is a pretty enlightened boss and he (laughs) knows that if he hires the right people and he trains them properly and he's built a really good culture and he understands their workloads and outputs properly, he doesn't care where they work because they can can slack off in the office. So he's really flexible. That good employee says, thanks, Philip, it's been fun. I'm off to work for Page. Mm -hmm. Now play that through. Day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year. The good people at Phillips Enterprises who want to leave for flexibility do. The bad people can't leave because Paige doesn't want them because they're idiots, so they stay. My company slowly but surely gets worse. The average worker who remains at Phillips Enterprises 
is less effective, less productive, less intelligent, less hardworking than those who leave. Mm. Less valuable to me. Page, meanwhile, says, well, actually, I'm getting all these great people because all I have to do is offer them flexibility. And I'm not going to hire the crap ones who want flexibility because they're crap, so I didn't hire them anyway. Yeah. But I got to steal all Phillips' good people because they wanted flexibility and I can give them that because I'm a good manager and a good boss and I have a good culture and mm. I, I treat my people appropriately. Mm. So what happens? Mm. The average quality of Page Enterprises employees improves, slowly but surely. The average quality of Phillips Enterprises falls, slowly but surely. Now, I'm not saying every good person leaves Phillips. Of course they don't. Some love working in the office. They're going to stay. That's fine. Well, unless I'm a crap boss, which I probably would be, but let's assume I'm not. Mm. Um, so, so I'm not saying everyone, every good person leaves, but on average, those who want flexibility and can get it elsewhere leave. Yeah. And they're the ones that other businesses, if they're smart enough, like Paige would be, to hire good people. He gets those people. I'm, I'm, actually, I'm actually handballing good people because I somehow want to mandate for reasons of micromanaging or not trusting the staff or hiring bad people who aren't productive. I decide that I want to make them come to the office because I can then watch over their shoulders and monitor their keystrokes and, and you know and, and go back to the 1900s or 1800s, uh, you know, looking over everyone's shoulder as they do their work, making sure they're doing exactly what I want them to do because that's micromanagement. Gee, that works really well. I don't know, mate. That's I, I've painted a pretty direct one. But if I was, I've said before, if I was an investor, I am. If I could get a basket of flexible work, not all work from home, just flexible work companies and a basket of mandated inflexible work companies, I would happily buy the former and short the latter because over a long enough period of time, there are exceptions to the rule, of course there are. But if I could get a group of, a representative group of both those circumstances, I have no doubt in the long term, nothing's permanent, nothing's guaranteed. I have no doubt in the long term, the flexible one wins because they attract the best people. And by the way, when they do and those people are happy, they're even more productive yeah. than the best people who are unhappy. Just, I just, I don't understand. I really, truly don't understand. Unless you think your staff are so crap that you have to have them in the office and micromanage them, in which case you've got a bigger issue than where they're working. I just don't understand the mandate. No, it's crazy. I mean, this is, you know, I wish them well, uh, ANZ. Uh, good <laughs> on you. Um, but it is, it is a free and open market, at least in theory. And, you know, people, people, You've got to understand it's not just when – I'm, when I'm looking at a job, yeah, the pay is probably the most important consideration or certainly one yes. of the top. But it's not the only one. Like it's, right. it's, it's the full package. It's the conditions. You and I have talked many times before. Like, you know, Macquarie could offer us a job tomorrow, a double our pay. It's, they're not going to. Um, yes. But I don't think either of us would take it. I know I nope. wouldn't nope. <clears throat> because I value my, my time and my flexibility. Yep. Does that make me lazy or I'm not driven enough? I don't know. Maybe, probably, but it's just that's just who I am, and that's mm-hmm. that's that's fine. So you you will you will inevitably. Um, I, I just think it, it, there's a competition for talent that's out there, and any sensible employer will recognize that. Well, to compete for the best talent, pay is obviously important, but it's not the only it's not mm-hmm. the only you know um, uh, lever I can pull. So if if attracting the best talent comes with giving some flexibility and some trust around all of that, then you you, you your point is is one hundred percent accurate. And and as no. as you, and as you've said as you've said, look, if if someone's if your worry is that oh they they're skiving off at home, well they're just going to do it at work anyway. <laughs> of course they are. They just here's the thing, mate. Flexibility is free. Yes. So you're talking about, you're about competing for staff. Pay is important. You've got to pay people money if you've got to get them across. Yeah. If you pay them the same and give them flexibility, which costs you nothing, if you have a good, good structure, a, a good a culture. It's a saving because you need right? less workspace. <laughs> exactly. 
And I, I don't know about you, mate. Everyone's doing. And look, I'm not saying people should work from home if they don't want to. I'm not. I'm not. All of my point is, I'm much more productive at home. I generally, I, I've got to say, I've, I've gone shopping at two in the afternoon when I've needed to. Mm-hmm. I've mowed the lawn at three in the afternoon when I've wanted to. But this morning, I started my first work gig at half past six. I probably won't have a lunch break today because I've got plenty of stuff on. I'll have some lunch, and that's fine. It's all personal choice, right? I'm not. No one's making me do it. Mm. Um, I'll finish work this afternoon. And about actually, I've got a, got a late TV thing. I do it. I record it ten past ten tonight, right? And I don't get. I don't. I don't have a. I don't have anyone who checks my. Um, checks my. You know, uh, Bundy clock and make sure I'm working and not working and and you know max marks off the timesheet. I'm I'm entrusted to do a job and do it well. And if I if I go and you know pick up the envelope from school and bring him home, then I'll do that. Um, it just it just it, it, it boggles the mind that instead you would say to somebody, hey, spend an hour on the train. Uh, it'd be longer for me to get the city these days. Hour on the train, each way. Take your full hour for lunch because you're not really enjoying it. You're going to have meetings and people drop by your desk and distractions and people talking and whatever, whatever. I am, I am, I, I guarantee my employer probably gets an hour and a half extra out of me a day than if I had to go to go, you know, not because I'd be lazy at work, just because. You know, I can't start as early if I'm on a train. I, you know, I can't avoid the distractions. Mm. It's, it just, it boggles my mind that any company thinks that making people work in a certain place, literally a certain place. Think about what an office is, right? <laughs> it's just a it's desk in another building. You know. Yeah. Um, I mean, I but look, I, I'll, I'll, I'll play the other side. I do yeah, think, do. I know, I do miss this myself. There is the organic water cooler interactions that you'd miss out on not from the social perspective although that that is actually important for well-being as well but you know it's like i i am going to have those interactions in the lift or waiting for a coffee where i'm speaking to cheryl from accounts and we come up with an idea or you know there there are Mm. there are there is value i think i think there is value with with being in proximity to other people that's not always easy to identify. And it depends on the job, right? Some jobs are very, your job is very, um, uh, you can work by yourself, right? Like you, you don't need a big team and where yep. you do need yep. the team, you can, you can easily sort of dial them up. Others are much more collaborative and interactive. Mm-hmm. Some are, 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 you know, you need the physical pre- pre- presence. So there's no choice. Like you can't work from home as a plumber. <laughs> like just good luck with that. Um, so, but, but even, even outside of those physical jobs, there, there are, there is value to be had. I, I don't deny it, but it's not, it's, so it's not as like, this is much better in every other way. And that is much worse in every other way, but it's a spectrum. And it's a question of what do I gain as a result of this policy versus what do I lose? Where is the, what is the sort of the net result of that? And it can be a bit of both as well. It's sort of like, I know when I was with, with the fall, um, we got together every Friday in a shared office. We didn't have to, um, yeah. but it was we found it valuable, right? And to be honest, we probably did less work. In fact, I know we did less work on those days than we did when we were by ourselves at home because of the distraction. But it was still valuable for team cohesion, for that in a, that organic sort of conversation, the idea generated. It, it, it was it was definitely valuable, which is why we did it, right? Um, yeah. Even though on a output basis, it was probably less productive. Do you know what I'm saying? So I, I get, I, agree. I get, yep. I get, I get a, a desire for that. And, and to be fair to ANZ, they have said 50%, not hundred percent, you know, so 50% of the time you've got to be in the office. It's just that things, 
when you treat your staff and employees like children, you'll get children, right? That you, 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 I guess you just want the, yep. I think I've heard this. Uh, yeah, there's, you, it's not, these are things that you can't mandate. There are things that you mm-hmm. can desire and see value in, but you can't, you can't re- effectively mandate it or, and, and yep. you, um, so yeah, I guess, I guess, I guess that there's each workplace is going to have to figure it out for themselves. But this is where I sort of, I get to the shrug of the shoulders and go, well, I wouldn't do that as ANZ, <laughs> but good luck to you. Uh, Cause I, I feel as though others, uh, the, the, the free market of ideas will, will, will show them the error of their ways given enough time. <laughs> do you know, do you know what? So I completely agree with you, by the way. And that's my point about being an investor. I'm not telling them what they sure shouldn't do. Just that if I was an, if I'm an investor, I'm seeing a company mandate that. Yeah. I'm instantly thinking, I'm not sure what your culture is. Yes. I, I value company cultures really highly. I value um, the ability of people to think about what makes a difference between companies, right? Sometimes it's technology. Sometimes it's a monopoly or regulation. More often than not, it's the quality of the people and the culture in the organization. Oh, yes. Um, think, about, think about Woolies and Coles, right? There is no difference between those two businesses in terms of where they are, what they can offer, mm-hmm. who the suppliers are. They are about as commoditized as it gets. Yep. And yet, and yet, those businesses have meaningfully different results and have done for years, largely because of culture, mm-hmm. people, marketing ideas. You know, the, the, the things that make the difference are often those, those people. I think you're right, mate. I, I actually am at fame. I'm going up to the Gold Coast for work. I'm still reset. I'm going to the US too. I'm not saying no one should ever have to go to the, the office. I think it's just finding the right time and place to make it useful. As you say, we got together on a Friday, not as productive as, as if we'd be at home at the same time, but super useful to kind of build those connections and, and all that kind of stuff. And the water cooler conversations, the random, hey, have you thought about this? Have you thought about that? Mm-hmm. I will mm-hmm. say, by the way, Slack is an amazing alternative these days. I, I, I'll tell you, I hated Slack when it first came out because of pain in the neck. And I've got a million Slack channels, like it's overload. But the ability to kind of have that combination of project-based conversations, the, the hey, matter just thinking conversations, mm-hmm. uh, it's not as good as water past the water cooler with somebody. And I know myself, I'm on the Gold Coast. I'll stick my head over the, the proverbial cubicle and say to the boss, hey, what if we did this? Or what do you reckon about that? Mm. So, you know, it, it's absolutely useful. Yeah. It absolutely works. Um, I yeah. think it's gone. Oh, yes, I, I, I get your I mean, this is, the, this is the so what. It's like, what, what do you do as an investor? Yes. Yes. I, and I, I feel as though you, it's, well, speaking of laser bond again, I, I sort of ask mm-hmm. them what's, what's, common question you know what what is it that sort of makes you better than others Mm. and it it, i it's an easy it's an easy thing to say it's almost cliched and can sound a bit cynical it's like oh our people but those who say it and mean it i actually think that's a big signal i think it's a huge signal because but it depends on the business of course but it really it really is everything in, especially if you're, a, well, I, and I, I focus a lot on small caps. When you've got relatively small teams, you know, you, you, gosh, if, mm-hmm. if you have a, if you have a team of monkeys, you just like not, nothing is going to work. Doesn't matter how well capitalized you are, what your balance sheet is yeah, like, that's right. how good your product, you, you are in massive trouble, right? Yes. And and frankly, I've got no problem. Like so, at the moment, the the real. Um, what's in vogue at the moment is is cutting costs because everyone's desperately trying to get to profitability. <laughs> like, it's funny that I have to say that out loud. I was like, well, what were they doing before? Well, no, it wasn't profitability. <laughs> it was growth, right? It was revenue. Yeah, but yeah. but everyone sort of found religion, and now we're now we're sort of going in that direction. And 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 yeah, okay, it makes a lot of sense. That's ultimately what you need to do. Mm-hmm. But the, I I'm my view is in a in 
in a not insignificant number of cases, they will end up shooting themselves in the foot by firing people or not paying them enough or not giving them good conditions. I would much rather have a a employee bill that on per per person is is you know fifty percent higher than my competitors. I can see comp- some investors looking at that going, look how look how inefficient they are. Their 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 staff bill is so much higher. They're, and and my point would be, yeah, but look at the productivity difference. Yes, at least in you know, like, who do, who do you do you want a Wozniak on your development team? <laughs> That's right. Or do you want you know some guy fresh out of uni that barely knows how to code HTML? Right. One's going to be cheaper. Yep, undoubtedly. But it's probably worth paying. You know, the was what what he's worth. Right. In that instance, because it's it's more about it's more about um, the bang you get per buck, not just the the value the, the the quantum of the buck. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, that's exactly right. So um, reminds me of the um, the old line, you know, the, the old kind of joke line of, you know, what if we train our people and they leave? The other guy says, what if we don't train them and they stay? Yes. And the, <laughs> other, one is, the other one is if you pay peanuts, you get monkeys, right? Well, there is that too. Yeah. Right? Well, and this the other feedback I get on Twitter is, well, if your job can work from home, they can be outsourced overseas. Like, yeah, it, it can, exactly. If yep. that's, to your point about people mattering, if my job is so low value add, it's already been outsourced. Yeah. It's already been sent overseas. Like that's you know, will, will will it continue to happen? Yes, absolutely. Wage arbitrage is real. Yeah. But it's gonna happen whether or not I personally work from home. The boss is gonna look at my cost in the office and say, Phillips is working from the office. I can outsource his job to to, to the Philippines. Or he's gonna say, Phillips works from home. I can outsource his job to the Philippines. Yeah. You know, it, you, those people are right. If my job is at risk, that's that's perfect. That's absolutely true. Yeah. But that statement is true whether or not I work from home. Yep. You know, that, that's that's the very reality, right? Yep. Uh, I've been working at home for, for 12 years. If if I sucked, I don't know whether ASIC would allow it, but the Motley Fool could find someone to, to give investment advice and do podcasts from overseas if they wanted to. If they thought that was a better ROI, if that person could work for less and add more value, they'd do it tomorrow. And yep. they should do it tomorrow. Yeah. Why, why wouldn't you, right? Like, I mean, well. Please don't do it. <laughs> right, well, yeah. Uh, but you know what I mean? It's, it's that kind of, just that kind of idea of the, the, the fear around or the... I don't know if they. I don't know if people are, are replying who are micromanagers themselves, or who fear losing their jobs, or just like going to the office. I just I, I get people saying it's not for me. Mm. I'm happy to go to the office. Like cool. When you literally are so against the idea of other people working from home or working flexibly, that I just I find it astonishing. Really, you know, and there are people well, who feel that way. By the way, go on. Sorry, I was, was going to say. So I've got two young kids, right? And mm. so the normal sort of domestic uh, dramas happen within our house. You know, it's like. Kid one, unpack the dishwasher. Now, rather than objecting to the job at hand, <laughs> almost invariably, it's like, well, why doesn't she have to? <laughs> and it, it's, it's not like they're aggrieved, yeah. not because of, of what has been asked, but because there is a yeah. sense of well, that other person doesn't have to. Or you know, It's like, what, <laughs> what has that got to do with me needing you to do this thing right now? Oh, but so they true. did it last week. And I, I was like, ah. and I feel as though that's kind of what's at play here. Some people, I think the people who get most upset about the work mm. from home, for whatever reason, can't or don't want to. And therefore, feel as though because others can that they shouldn't be able to either. It's like it doesn't whether whatever that other person is doing has no impact on your situation. So it's kind of it's irrelevant to you, but it's probably a source so of some of the of the angst. So true. Speaking of angst, mate, I think we've had enough angst for one particular podcast. Should we uh, give our listeners ears a break and instead resume on Sunday morning? Let's put a pin in it, as they say. We'll circle back. Every 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 back. management <laughs> consultant ever said that. Oh, have you ever been to a, every a, middle a manager? <laughs> have you ever been to a, a presentation or consulting with a, a whiteboard and that's the parking lot? 
No. Familiar with the parking lot. It's like someone brings up an issue that's not relevant. It's like, let's put it in the parking lot over there. We'll deal oh, with that, that one later. Yes. It's a way yes, of being able to kind of yes, move we'll past park that, that kind of, you know. Yes. Yeah. We'll park that one for no, later. Someone, yeah. um, someone did a translation of all the, the business jargon stuff. And it's just like, I think with the park, it is like the translation is, we're never talking about this again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's exactly right. And by the way, your HR file's been marked. Yeah. Um, yeah. We put a pin in it, but we never circled back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's circle back on Sunday morning, shall we? Let's absolutely let's do that. Yeah. Until then, full on. Cheers. The Motley Fool and people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. General advice only. Please speak to your financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your situation. Subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener. The Motley Fool operates under financial services license 400691.